the raft plunged straight down and slammed into a wall of water. It flew up at a 90-degree angle, propelling me up and into the river. The rapids spun me around and threw me from side to side, burying me under a blanket of waves. I tried to right myself so I could rise to the surface, but I couldn't tell which way was up. My lungs were on fire and my eyesight grew dim. Then a powerful force shoved me up, and I broke the surface, gasping for air. Feet up, legs straight, that's what the guide said. I tried to stretch my legs out, but a fresh torrent wrenched me under. I tumbled over like a flimsy rag doll. Then, as if taunting me with the promise of release, the river raised me up again. Two giant boulders loomed ahead. I gulped down air and squeezed my eyes shut, certain my last sensation on earth would be the excruciating pain of bone splintering against rock. When I opened my eyes, the boulders were behind me. A surge of foam and spray had pushed me through a narrow channel between them. Above the roar of the rapids, I heard screams. I twisted around. Rachel. Twenty yards away, my thirteen-year-old's yellow helmet bobbed in the churning waves. My stomach clenched. I lunged and thrashed my arms, trying to swim to her. But the rapids carried me in the opposite direction. Just before I went under, I saw the guide throw her a lifeline. It landed short. When I came up, she was gone. The river carried me another quarter mile, then, as if underscoring its absolute control, it quieted. A hush descended. Tiny bubbles eddied across the surface. Gentle waves rippled peacefully. Hot sun struck my face. I didn't care. Rachel was gone. I wanted to cry, but the tears wouldn't come. I wanted to scream, but the sound died in my throat. I stopped struggling. The water had won. I should have known when they said the river was kicking butt. I drained my third glass of wine. It was up two feet from the big storm the other day, Rachel added. She stirred her coke with her swizzle stick. But you survived, Abdul, our dinner companion, said. Her blonde curls framed her face like a soft golden cloud. They bounced as she nodded. Another raft picked me up. Rachel inherited her coloring from her father, but we share the same gray eyes and feisty ways. I pushed a strand of thick black hair behind my ears, thinking how close I'd come to never seeing those curls again. The guide said you weren't in any real danger with the life preservers and helmets, David said. I glared. What did you expect him to say? We were finishing cocktails in the main dining room at the Greenbrier. Nestled in the backwoods of West Virginia, the resort is one of the plushest in the world. With its graceful columns, sculpted gardens, and antebellum buildings, it fairly drips southern gentility. Which is why it sounded like a perfect idea when David asked us to meet him there for Labor Day weekend. It would be a grand finale to summer, an elegant start to fall. It was also a chance for the three of us to spend some time together, 
since Rachel and I live in Chicago and David is in Philadelphia. We'd have time to bond in that trying-each-other-out-as-family kind of way. I even started to look forward to the trip, imagining myself sipping mint juleps on the veranda in a frothy summer frock. Of course, I didn't have a frothy mint julep-sipping frock, but my friend Susan let me borrow hers. Susan has a dress for everything. Another glass of wine? Abdul asked. I believe I will, Ellie, David cut in. Haven't you had enough? Not yet. Abdul al-Hamarani had appeared at exactly the right time, like a fairy tale genie magically released from his bottle. 